You're listening to CJLY 93.5 in Nelson, and this is Query with Abs, Axel, Bria, and Shaz. That's right. It's the queerest hour on Kuniko Web Radio. Query is a show by the f- by the queers for the queers and everyone else. We're broadcasting to you from Sinaiq's Tumhulau, or territory, and uh, we're very grateful to be here. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. You may be listening on the internet as well, um, and if you are not also in Sinaiq's territory, then we encourage you to think about where you are right now and acknowledge the people who have taken care of the land and the waters since time immemorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this week on Query, we went on a road trip to Trail. Woohoo! Good old Trail BC. What did we do on said field trip? We went to an all ages drag show that was organized by Freedom Quest Youth and the Trail and District Arts Council. The first drag show in Trail, I I believe. It was great. Hopefully not the last. Hopefully not the last. It was sold out. The whole auditorium was packed and such a mix of people, too. Yeah, it was amazing um, and so inspiring to see all those, all these, like, little cuties strutting their stuff and, like, everybody clapping their hands and stuff. It was so sweet. Yeah, it was really nice that it was initiated by youth saying, like, we want to go to drag shows, but often they're at 19-plus venues, and so it's not accessible. And so they went and did it themselves, which, like, good for them. Uh, I didn't know how much Lizzo was appreciated by the younger audiences. It was very much appreciated. <laughs> so much sass on that, uh, on the on the dance floor. Oh yeah, um, sass and fans. There was one performer that had like multiple fans as part of their um, dance routine. It was great. Uh, while we were there too, I also noticed that um, uh, one of these things that uh, is starting to ha- uh, happen more and more are uh, gender neutral bathrooms where people like are taking over bathrooms and converting them into gender neutral bathrooms and having signs on the doors saying you know this is gender neutral rather than having men's and women's although at the event they didn't have the sign on the men's door it was just on the quote unquote women's bathroom that they had gender neutral um, that did not stop me from using the men's bathroom because there was a line at the women's bathroom and I was like whatever I'm wearing a mustache so um, I'm going to gender neutralize this place myself. Nice. Um, it was interesting to see, too, that uh, um, like the evolution or the history of, of gender neutra- neutral bathrooms and thinking about it as we were at the uh, at trail um, and thinking like how uh, really the gender neutral bathrooms are really cut, took fire in universities and, and institutions where 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 people were not only being educated, but were like standing up for the minority and those those people that they don't see. See? They don't, um, that stand behind them. Yeah, people get real fired up about other people taking a pee. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> so why do you think we had gendered bathrooms to begin with? Well, I feel that people think that there's some sort of safety issue um, which I think stems from general patriarchal violence that we believe that certain genders are just more prone to being aggressive towards other genders and therefore they shouldn't be in the same room with other 
kind of gendered people when they might have their pants down in a stall. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Isn't that weird how, like, history of of, of one idea, one, uh, one sort of concept, like the idea of patriarchy is uh, has created this whole, like, division between men and women, especially when using the bathroom, something that we all have to do all the time, multiple times a day. And if I eat too much kimchi, more than multiple times a day. Should we tea for term patriarchy? Because I feel like that's a big one, and it's like I throw that word around a lot, but then I'm like, oh gosh, what does this mean? So while Bria googles it, <laughs> we're going to uh, JK, we're going JK. to raise our fists up and learn about what patriarchy means. My sister has a T-shirt that says, "Don't let the patriarchy get you down." Um, the way that I understand the patriarchy is that it's a system of domination that. Uh, suppresses women and the feminine um, and upholds male power and domination. Yeah. Um, which is which is interesting because the opposite of patriarchy is matriarchy, which is a lot of, um, well, oh, is it? Is it I not? I mean, I don't know. I What is matriarchy? That's, a, that's an even bigger question, I feel, because it's Ooh. like, is it just women being in charge or is it kind of upholding feminine ways of thinking and being? And what is feminine ways of thinking and being? Like, what does that even mean in itself? What is femininity? Like, there's so many things in there. Whoa, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Back to gender-neutral washrooms, though. (laughs) We took a turn. I just want to say that I think it's so important. If If you're a business owner out there... It's like a pretty simple thing to do to to get gender neutral neutral washrooms, and it makes a huge difference. Just um, so that it, like all people feel comfortable in your facilities, and it's so easy. You just change your sign. Yeah, what gets me is when there's like a single stall washroom that's just like literally a one room toilet and sink and they have two washrooms, and so they decide to put like gendered signs on them, and it's like. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, because in the package they had like both genders in one package, so they had to use them both. Because when the they bought the package, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, is it so bad that you don't even want to like use the same toilet of another gender? Because like they might, you might get cooties or something. Like people need sexual health research in order to make some better decisions. <laughs> Like, yeah, just for some context, it makes um, some people so uncomfortable having to choose either one of those, like, you know, like the male or female. Like, mm-hmm. it, it it can make someone, like, not want to go into your establishment or it can make someone just, like, not want to drink anything because they don't feel comfortable, you know, going into the washroom. And that sucks. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting because it also creates so much triggers for that person because a lot of bullying happens in the bathroom and in schools and growing up, right? There, it's the self identity comes into play, the um, understanding about me versus other people in change rooms and bathrooms, and like, do I identify with the body that that uh, I'm in, and in the body and in the bathroom that I'm in as well, too. Yeah, it's such a vulnerable place. Like personally, I totally have like so many horror stories of being in the in the like uh, female washroom or whatever when I was in high school. Like, what a shit show! 
So we were talking so that it it brings brings up a bigger a couple of bigger pictures the the gender neutral bathroom. It's the idea of what allyship looks like and beyond what allyship looks like. What does power and privilege look like? And uh we talk we talk quite a bit about the whole idea of power and privilege on our radio show and and I think it's important for us to kind of have that like a foundational understanding of what power and privilege which is this conceptual idea what it really means. So let's say, for example, in society, we have these um, behavioral traits or things that groups of people do that are similar, like, let's say, uh, driving on the right side of the road versus driving on the left side of the road. Um, those behaviors or eating with a fork versus eating with chopsticks, those behaviors, which are general, um, when they cross into another culture or, or something different, they become stereotypes of the other person. Am I getting this correct? So the understanding of what a stereotype is is the foundation of being uh, observing something different happening in someone else or a group of people. And making a generalization that that is true for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm. And once you have those stereotypes, and society has stereotypes without... And, and here's where the... The weird caveat is, is that without these stereotypes, we're, we're not able to categorize the world the way we do. So, so like stereotypes in a mathematical way uh, could be talked about, like how we um, were able to um, become more uh, agricultural based versus hunter gatherer because we're able to adapt and and stereotype the environment around us. Following, mm, kind yeah. of. That's, wow, yeah. So then with the stereotypes, you add those beliefs. So like all Asian people eat with chopsticks or all British people drive on the left side, right or left? Left side of the road, right? Left. Left, okay. (laughs) So whenever you meet a British person and you ask them, oh, so how's it like driving on the right side of the road versus the left side of the road? You're putting belief behind those stereotypes, those understandings. And when you add belief behind those stere- those uh, stereotypes, it becomes prejudice. So I'm not going to get into a car with a British person because they drive on the wrong side of the road and I'm scared for my life because if they start driving on the wrong side of the road in Canada, then I might die. And so the stereotype is that they can't drive on the left side of the road, even though you don't actually know. Like, maybe they have a British accent, but they actually learned to drive in Germany, where they drive on the right side of the road. So <laughs> they are perfectly fine driving on the right side of the road. And you've just generalized and stereotyped them. So now that you have this prejudice, you add action to it. I'm not getting in the car with you, Bria, because you're <laughs> British. Hey, on that note, I spent, like... A year in New Zealand where they drive on the opposite side of the road. And when I came back, I like nearly got in so many accidents. FYI. Uh-oh. See? <laughs> See? So maybe I should add action to that prejudice that I have over you. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, just joking. I'm a really good driver now, everyone. No worries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get in the car with you anytime, especially when we go to Halfway Hot Springs camping. Which we should do. Maybe one day we'll have Maybe a field trip number two. Ooh. Winter camping. <laughs> so we got these actions right, and once those actions build up over the course of society or a group of people, you have something called discrimination. So where 
one group of people will discriminate against another pe- group of people because of all of those prejudices, the stereotypes, and the things that build up from the individual upwards. When when discrimination occurs and the, the people in power hold power over someone else, then that's where oppression comes in. There is uh, Oppression can be broken down into something called the six isms. What are they? Sexism. Racism. Ableism. Uh, ageism. And classism. And cis... Oh, oh, and heterosexism and cissexism. And if you haven't heard those before, uh, they kind of relate to homophobia and transphobia. So rather than having a phobia, which is a fear, it's like an ism, which is more of a kind of system of oppression. There you go. So whenever we talk talk about those those layers of power and privilege, um, that's kind of one of the one of the theories that we're working with uh, here on query with abs. <clears throat> uh, in that in that uh, staircase of oppression, we're gonna eventually have a series, a, a, a segment called Multiple Oppressions Multiply, where we talk about how all of those intersectionality of those uh, those isms affect each other. A really good example of that is, uh, and we could see it within our various communities, is, uh, first of all, my Halloween costume. I have to complain about it. So I wore a sou'wester. Do you know what a sou'wester is? It's, no, it's please like, explain. It's like a traditional yellow um, new uh, Nova Scotian hat that keeps the rain out while you're fishing, right? Everybody knows what the, what it is. Except for Axel. Ex- <laughs> but now I know. Rain cap. <laughs> rain hat. Uh, and I was wearing uh, an Irish knit wool sweater. And um, I was supposed to be... Oh, and a black eye. I, I colored in a black eye. And I was... What was I supposed to be, Bria? A Nova Scotian. There you go. And so many times, like 10 times, people came up to me and like, oh, you're a great Paddington. Even though I didn't look like Paddington or was dressed up as Paddington at, at all. all. In fact, um, I, I was with him and he was like, can you just like Google like a, a photo of Paddington Bear? And this, like, I don't know if like if you guys have a picture in your mind about what Paddington Bear looks like, but... It's nothing like this guy. Yeah. And so, and it goes back to that whole idea of my, my skin color, right? I, referring to Paddington being brown and me being brown with a yellow hat, automatically people assume that that was like the, the animalization or the othering of someone. It was so weird. I actually didn't end up going out. <laughs> well, I went out for a little bit, but I didn't go out for too long just because of that whole idea of how these stereotypes can play into the subtleties of microaggression and oppression. People can't imagine that a Nova Scotian person could also be brown is like also like what? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. It's 2019 y'all. Would they be called a brown Scotian? Okay, let's change the subject a little bit. Axel, how have you been? We haven't heard from you in a little while. Oh my gosh. Well, I've had a cold this week. And part of that, I think, I mean, I've kind of had a cold for most of October that I've been fighting off. But part of that is related to some stress at my workplace. 
Um, we're being sued right now. Where do you work? I work at the Nelson and District Women's Center. Um, and yeah, some folks have filed a lawsuit in the Supreme Court against Ooh. the Women's Center. What? Yeah. How? Wh- why? Well, I mean, they have their reasons. They are kind of a little bit upset with the Women's Center and how it's been run. Um, and, you know, they're allowed to have those complaints. Like, I don't think that they shouldn't be able to, like, think those things. But I just question... The, the, process and the, the process and the motive. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that they, they believe that this lawsuit is necessary because they haven't been listened to. Um, but I see the impact that it's having on the Women's Center and on the people who use the Women's Center. Uh, and if you don't know... Uh, the Women's Center, uh, we have a house up on Mill Street, and we kind of act as a food bank and a community center mm-hmm. uh, for women primarily. We have run programs in the past for trans and gender diverse communities as well. Uh, we connect people with uh, v- uh, various resources in the community, like if they are struggling with a legal issue or something, we'll point them in the right direction. We also have a free clothing store in our basement, so... People can come and get a new outfit for zero dollars, which is a very fun resource uh, to access. Nice. A lot of my clothes comes from there. It sounds like a very uh, important part for kind of like, you know, having to fight uh, or fighting those those oppressions and those those supporting the people that that really need that help. Why would they? um, What are some of the? issues or arguments that you know of that uh, are being brought forward? Well, since it's around the legal system, they're talking about the Societies Act, um, which Mm. governs nonprofits in BC. So um, Mm -hmm. they're basically saying that there's these ways that the Women's Center is not in compliance with the Societies Act. That's what their petition is about. And they just want the Women's Center to be in alignment with the Societies Act, which I think we can all agree that, like, yes, Mm -hmm. we should should definitely be uh, in alignment with the law. Um, And... Yeah, I think that if people want to support the center and being in alignment with the law, then, you know, they can volunteer. They can join the board. They can get involved and support us from within. We are a pretty under-resourced space. Um, All of the staff work part-time. And as a result, like, of this lawsuit, we've actually lost a couple of staff. They've had to step back because it's just such a stressful work environment. Um, so we're kind of down to, like, 50% of our people. Um, and just continuing to try and serve the, the women who are really facing pretty intense poverty, who are coming to access resources and focusing on that. And, you know, I think this lawsuit will be resolved. It's going to... Uh, we're going to be fine. Um, but if you do support the Women's Center and you do support the work that we're doing um, of working towards trans inclusion and just generally fighting oppression and poverty, uh, then you can volunteer or you can become a member if you're a self-identified woman. It's it's interesting that you brought that up because I was listening earlier today to CBC and they were talking about um, that whole... um, uh, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Intersectionality between trans trans women who are one of the most um, violently, physically violently attacked women 
when it comes to sexual abuse uh, and, and their access to places like this as self-identified women. So understanding that whole scope of acknowledging how the journeys from for self-identification is that uh is that questions that are that are part of the women's center up here in nelson yeah i i mean the women's center has been involved in trans inclusion for almost decades like Mm -hmm. the conversation kind of started in the late 90s and um and so the women's center is inclusive to trans women and uh totally welcome we're always working on how to uh improve access for trans women because we acknowledge that uh often trans women don't have the greatest experiences with women's organizations and Mm. some women's organizations are quite uh violent towards trans women and exclusionary Mm -hmm. and so there can be trauma there and there's like people who've had experiences at the Nelson Women's Center that have been less than positive um, due to, you know, other people's biases and uh, internalization of transphobia and trans misogyny. It reminds me of the other, uh, one of these other ideas around um, oppression and the, and the six isms is something called lateral violence. Do you, uh, are you familiar with what lateral violence is? Can we can we explain it to our our listeners? Yeah, totally. I would, um, yeah, I would definitely describe this situation as lateral violence of, in this case, um, a marginalized group, women, uh, kind of attacking and fighting within that group. Um, so rather than a situation where a privileged group is attacking a marginalized group. Uh, it's actually within the marginalized group that the violence is happening, mm-hmm. and it and it can also happen across across marginalized groups too, which is also quite interesting because when you think about it, um, we go back to that idea: multiple oppressions multiply. Everyone's oppression or everyone's everyone's life journey is slightly different. So when you're like the lateral violence is is uh, is a who? What's the word I'm looking for? Is a powerful part of that because it you're looking at how oppressed people um uh, other or or attack or cause oppression and discrimination against other marginalized people and that whole interplay between the two totally and when you're already kind of under-resourced or you have less power in society uh then there can be this effort to gain as much power as you can mm-hmm. within that group. Um, and if you can leverage things like class privilege, being able to afford, uh, afford, afford lawyers to be able to sue a charity. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's crazy. multiple oppressions, right? Like, like why multiple would anyone, oppressions, multiple why would intersections. A charity. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. And it's like funny. Like when we started talking about this, I had this like my heart started beating faster. I was like, I don't know if I can actually talk, talk about, about this. It, like yeah. it's scary. It's a lawsuit. Like I've never been involved in a lawsuit before. And like there's lawyers involved. There's this like settlement process. It's all like, Ugh, I don't want to like say the wrong thing. But I see how it's impacting people. I see how it's impacting me. It's like created this really stressful work environment. And we're just honestly trying to help people get tofu for free yeah. um, that really need food. That so. really need, yeah, totally. And need need a safe place to go and clothes and all of these things, right? Needs, needs that support. So it's interesting how, 
you know, some voices are heard more than other voices. And that's why we hope you share this with everyone you know. And call in and talk about it. Maybe you're one of these uh, people that's doing the Women's Center and you need to have some dialogue. And this could be a good opportunity to do that. Or go on our Facebook group. We're now at 211. Thank you, number 200th, for signing up. So we got to lighten up the mood here, people. Got to lighten up the mood. I have a game for you. It's I usually save this for driving games. I love playing driving games because BC is, well, Canada is so big. Uh, and I travel across it quite a bit. Well, also, BC is quite big. So the, speaking of, uh, alphabet game. Have you ever played the alphabet game? No. Is that like when you sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, et cetera, et cetera? Yep. And the theme is going to be... That's us. Okay. A, <laughs> Axel, go. Asexual. Oh, what's asexual? Asexual is an identity where people might uh, fall somewhere on a spectrum between being sex repulsed or gray asexual, wherein they might have varying degrees of interest in sexual activity or feelings of attraction. Hmm. B, Bria. B for Bisexual. Oh, what's bisexual? Oh, I, well, I guess I'm not the best to answer this, but we uh, maybe we'll just take this over to Axel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the self-proclaimed bisexual in the room. Uh, the way that I define bisexual is that it is an attraction to uh, your own gender, or the same gender that you have, and also other genders. So rather than kind of having a binary where you're like attracted to men and women, uh, that it's the same and others. Ah, bisexual. I got C for community. That's an easy one. I have D for diaspora. <gasps> What's diaspora? I don't know. What is diaspora, Jess? Diaspora. Well, there's two types of diaspora. Diaspora, lowercase d, means the movement of people from their homeland. Uh, capital D, which was the original coining of the term, was the uh, the Jewish people and their um, movement away from their homeland, so away from Israel. So whenever you're referring to diaspora, you can capital D is technically for uh, the Jewish people, and then if you were to choose to use the word in a lowercase D, let's say for example, like the diaspora of the Africans due to slave trade, you'll use a lowercase D. Elbow, elbow, elbow. Whenever I get nervous, I just say three words in a row. F. Fecundity. Do you know what fecundity means? No, say more. The ability to have many offspring. Mm -hmm. It's a numerical thing. Fecundity. So like guppies have a high fecundity rate. Fascinating. (laughs) G for gay. Oh, H. <laughs> for homo. That's me. Ooh, I for intersex. What's intersex? Ooh, what is intersexed? Oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, similar to like many spectrums that we're talking about this evening. Um, could refer to someone whose body doesn't correlate directly or fit neatly in a box of male or female Mm -hmm. um, in our current way that we assign biological sex. 
um, and doctors kind of have a way of deciding based on people's genitals. Yeah, and and sometimes people don't fit into those specifications. And traditionally, it was uh, it was the doctor's decision. So the baby would come out, and intersex would be uh, like a general term for intersex is to have both uh, both sexual male and female organs in your body. Um, it, it it there's uh, some relation to genetics as well because it's at at some point in time, through our genetic makeup, we have we can potentially have more than two sex chromosomes. You're following, so that's intersexed. J for juggling. <laughs> oh, K for kink. Love. Magic. Um, N for no, because you can just say no whenever you want to. Uh-uh. Oh, for ostracized. Do you know what that word is? D for term. What's ostracized? Is it like an ostrich? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think ostrich gets ostracized. Mm, that makes me sad. Ostracized. It means to... Oh, what does ostracized mean? It to means be separated yeah, like from outside. a group. Called oh. out. To be uh, singled out. Ooh, very made, good. Made other. Being othered. Ooh, ostracized and othered. I have P for polyamory. Mm, what's polyamory? Well, someone asked me this the other day. They were like, polygamy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, polyamory. Uh, multiple loves. Like maybe having different romantic relationships at the same time in an ethical way that everybody's aware of and consenting to. Ethical way? What does that mean? How can you have ethical love? Well, or relationship. You have an ethical framework that says you care about yourself and you care about and respect other people as well and that you're not going to lie and cheat on them. Um, that would be in unethical non-monogamy. Um, that's another unethical word, I guess, non-monogamy. Ah, okay. I guess a, a lot of conversation between what is the difference between polyamory and non-monogamy? As well, which... Oh, what is the difference? Polyamory oh and... Non- oh, oh, my gosh. It's like... Whoa. This is like poly nerd time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really Brought feel actually Bria. that much of an expert on uh, <laughs> the nerd nerd, Bria. What? Um, sorry. No. I'm... Anyway. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Polyamory. I think people are more focused on, like, love and, like, having multiple loves or, like, falling in love with multiple people. And non-monogamy, I think has more sexual, sexual context. context. Yeah. Um, and like I someone might that. be um, like emotionally connected with mainly one person and then they might have sex with other people. Um, this is just kind of my perspective. So like take it all with a grain of salt because I'm not speaking for anyone but myself. Is it iodized or non-iodized salt? Oh, I don't know. Non-iodized maybe it's, better. Maybe it's iodine polyamorous salt. Ooh, a little bit of poly <laughs> you salt. Could have, you could have both. You could have the iodized and the non-iodized. <laughs> Let's move on to Q. <laughs> uh, query? That's Ooh. us. That's what you're listening to. Query with abs. That's us. That's right. What comes after QR? Oh, yeah, that's right. What is R? What's a good R word? Rectal? <laughs> That's a good... Sure. Rectal. Yeah. Sure. We Great. got that. We got that. Anatomical. 
Um, I have S for settler. And by settler, I mean someone who is not indigenous to this place. Um, I'm a settler. And there's nothing wrong with being a settler. It's just a way of identifying yourself as uh, someone whose ancestors or personally came from somewhere else. Hmm. T for trans. Ooh, what? So here's a here's an interesting question for you. When we talk about T for trans, there's when we say T for dra- trans, there's it's like an umbrella term. For example, like transgender, transsexual. What are other trans words that are f- uh, that are based around our queer community? I mean, I think people sometimes use it to also talk about non-binary. Um, or like trans and non-binary. I find I never say like the full transgender anymore. I I'm just like, I always shorten it. It's the cool lingo. Um, the trans. Yeah, like get with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get with it, trans. Uh, you. Ooh, I got a good you one. Uvula. 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 Do you know what the uvula is? Yeah, it's the dangly bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. At the back of the throat. Together. One, two, three. Uvula. This is like, what is it called? That like YouTube thing where it's this nice sound? ASMR. Yeah, ASMR. That's next. I have V for vulva. Ooh, uvula and vulva. I really love when kids use the word vulva. Honestly, like it brings me such joy when parents teach their children just like words for genitals, you know? And I really appreciate people using vulva in particular because. I think there can be a lot of confusion around like certain genitals and like the word vagina and like what does that mean and vagina being like the actual opening and like canal that leads to the uterus and the vulva being like the whole kind of external genitalia. Mm. FYI, I just wanted to a little explain <laughs> there. Yeah, I like it. It's a classy word. What are we on? What are we on now? Oh, you got a little distracted. <laughs> A, B, C, D. No, what G- comes after V? H, I, J, K, L, W? P. Oh, um, I w- I'm, I'm going to wink here, and I want you to describe what you're seeing right now. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I feel like I just got some leopard vibes. Leopard? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I'll take like it. the image that it. came. Yeah. If you, the audience can even hear your winking in, on the on radio. X. Oh, I got a good X one. Xenophobia. That sounds scary. What is xenophobia? I, I'm xenophobia phobia. Or z- are you xenophobic? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm phobic of xenophobes. Oh, even better. So xenophobia is, is a fear and hatred of people that are different yeah. and particularly yeah. like in other places and is related to racism as well. Xenophobia. Where does this where does this come from? Do we know? Latin? Yeah, from the letter X. Or is it Greek? Ooh. Mm, I don't know about that. Um Z. Why? No. no. Oh Why? shit. Oh, you don't just erase me. Like, oh, oh my, my god. Oh my god. Don't erase me. Uh I have Y. Uh you. The listeners. You, you listeners. We love you. We're so happy that you're here. 
<laughs> well, not really here, but no, wherever you're you are. This. Conference. We've got listeners all the way in England, too. Yeah, in Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah. And Canada. <laughs> so, okay, go. I was just going to say yeah. Z for yeah. zipper. Oh, good. That was a magical invention, the zipper. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, oh, that ended a very long road trip. Nine o'clock. No, is it nine? Nine to no, ten to eleven. There's time change happening. Uh, and speaking of time change, what did you guys do today for your time change? I had an extra hour in the morning, as did everybody else. So I went to the pool. It mm. was the best. Nice. What time did you go in the morning? Um. Maybe like nine thirty ish. Okay. Before no, 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 after no, no. That was a lie because on Sundays it opens at ten o'clock. So I was at the pool at ten o'clock. Uh, at the pool for opening. Yeah. How was the pool? Um, I I love going swimming. I do it for my mental health because it's just like it gives me an opportunity to just you know go swimming and like not think about anything really it's like kind of like a meditative meditative process for me mm. but today at the pool there was such a hottie Ooh. whoa hottie at the pool in the hot tub oh my gosh extra hot <laughs> i think the pool is the best place for checking people out but it's so awkward at the same time like you can't have conversations in the steam room because it's so echoey that if two people are having a conversation and then two more people are having a conversation and then it's just like thunder and lightning in there. And also like if you're in the steam room and you're having a conversation, you know that everyone around you is listening, like eavesdropping kind of. And they totally want to like join in in the conversation, but we're all awkward and like, oh, I don't know what to say. So what did you do with this hottie? Um... <laughs> Well, first of all, before I get into like what I did with this hottie in the hot tub, um, I I just want to say that I have had so many uncomfortable situations in um, in the pool and like sauna area, just because you know you're pretty vulnerable. You're like half naked, and there's always like broy dudes and. Like, I've also had, like, uh, people that were, like, really intoxicated being in the sauna next to me, which made me feel, like, super uncomfortable. Don't drink and go to the sauna, people. Public pool. Don't drink and go to the public pool. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it just, like, it makes me feel, like, extra cautious and, like, wanting to make people feel comfortable in a space where they're, like, half naked, right? So how do you do that? Well, you sit next to them and you kind of like, hi, how's it going? And I guess like you have to like um, pay attention to the cues that you're receiving, right? What kind of social cues do you get at the pool, Bria? Um, if you um, if you approach someone at the pool, um, most of the time it makes people feel uncomfortable. So I think maybe... Either, like, waiting for someone to approach you is, like, a a safer tactic. And I know, like, for 
it, it's not the ideal tactic because it like makes the other person come to you, but at least that person feels safe in doing that. So how do you communicate to other pool goers that you are open to being approached? Because what I, if they're thinking the same thing? Like, oh, this yeah, person's yeah, yeah. cute and I want to approach, but I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I I you do the I never down. want to be approached at the pool. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> no, me never. I hate that like walk from the change rooms to the hot tub. I'm like, oh my god, no one look at me. No one look at me. It's just really vulnerable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I hate making eye contact with lifeguards. Like, oh, it's just too much. Well, I was going to say that the lifeguards. I, why would why why is it know. uncomfortable they to smile. make? Smile. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the one cool thing about Nelson and the surrounding areas that I really like is that people really give eye contact here, especially at the pool. <laughs> Not just joking. Also, Not for me, like, here's something <laughs> that I love about the pool. Like, watching, like, grown-ass adults go around in the floaty pool or whatever. I it's, love that. It's so funny. We have lazy river time, okay? It's not <laughs> funny. It's therapeutic. You just float there. It's like action without action. It's being in the breath and in the body at the same time. I, f- I feel like sometimes when I'm in that <laughs> when I'm in that little space, I feel like it's like a urine filled. So I get like a little cautious about going in there. Anyways, so how do you approach people? I guess like Axel says that they don't like to make eye contact. But I mean, okay, it depends on the person. Yeah. Like, yeah, if it's like some broy dude in the hot tub, then like I avoid looking at anyone, you know? Because I, do I don't want I don't want to seem approachable in the hot tub. I'm just like trying to chill. Um, well, if you just if it was for someone that you just described, I'd do the total opposite. So I don't know, maybe it's situational. <laughs> Different <laughs> interests. Generational. Anyways, I noticed this, like, hottie in the hot tub making eyes at me, so I, like, scooched my way over, like, a little bit, just, like, inch a little over, kind of, and then, womp, wah, they looked the other way. So I just, I just backed off. That's what you got to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Eye contact is tricky because sometimes, like, for example, like, on a dance floor sometimes, if I'm making eye contact with someone or if I'm looking at someone a lot because I feel creeped out and I'm trying to, like, be aware of how creepy they are, they might interpret that as, like, me looking at them because I'm interested, but actually I'm looking at them because I'm scared um, and I'm trying to be aware of the situation and, like, distance myself. I feel like, yeah, body language is important because someone could be making eye contact with you because they want to make sure you're not a threat um, and not because they, like, want to draw you in wow that's a good point mm. yeah and and it's interesting people in their understandings of body language because i have some friends who have no concept of body language whatsoever uh and how do you teach someone with with how do you teach someone about body language though when my arms are folded and when i'm not looking at you that means that i'm either upset or i'm uh <laughs> moved on to a different subject where are people's feet pointing? Are they really? pointing towards you? Yeah, that's like a, a thing apparently in psychology. Oh. Yeah. It's like people point their feet, like they might turn their body, their upper body towards you, but if their feet are pointed away, then they like kind of want to run away. Interesting. Now I'll just be looking at people's feet from now on. So the next week, that's the challenge. Look at people's feet. If somebody like makes a joke or, uh, you know, something. If they say something in a group of people, it's really important to notice who they're looking at. 
because similar to where their feet are directing, like where their eyes go, it's very telling. I think it's also important for us to pay attention to our own body language because sometimes my body will tell me things about how I'm feeling that I didn't even realize in my own brain mm. um, that like I will like cross my arms or like start to turn away, but I'm still engaged. But there's a part of me that doesn't want to be in the situation anymore. So my body's kind of like trying to get me out of there. But intellectually, I'm still like, oh, well, I have to be polite and I like mm. can't just like ditch this situation. I have to like be a nice human um but actually like if someone's making you feel uncomfortable you don't really have to be a nice human yeah 100 percent. what do you what do you do this also happened to me today i was um i was in a coffee shop and um somebody winked at me did they have something Someone in their winked eye at me today too yeah like how what do you like what do you what do you what do you do with that in my situation, it was, like, an older woman, and it was, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It wasn't, like, a, like, come on wink. It was, like, a friendly wink. So, wink, oh, is it, like, an acknowledgement? auto parts shop. Uh, yeah, I felt like she was kind of, like, oh, hey. I, don't I know. wink at people. We acknowledge each I, other. Yeah, I wink at people sometimes, especially when there's, like, it's, like, there's a funny situation happening, and you don't really want to, like, talk about the, ele- the the elephant in the room. You just, you know, you give them the, like... The quick sideways wink, like, yeah, you got me. You got me. I got so anxious. I was like, and I just, like, looked away. <laughs> Smooth. Yeah. It takes so skill to, to wink. We're coming close to the end of our show. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to share, to like us on Facebook, to tell us what you think. Maybe give us some topic ideas. And to... Wind us down for the night. Axel, what would you like to play? Yeah, so we have a song. It's dedicated to someone special. And it's called The Love by Jadu Hart. Ooh.